have you ever been haunted by a relationship that came to an end, leaving you saying, if only I'd said, or if only I'd done? Now, we've probably all been there at one time or another. But isn't it nice to be able to say goodbye with no regrets? Whether it's a neighbor or friend moving away, a son or daughter going away to college or getting married, or even the death of a loved one, it's nice to say goodbye with no regrets. And in our text for today, it appears that Paul was able to do just that, to say goodbye to people he loved with no regrets. Let's see how he was able to do that. We're in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, ready for verse 25. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Paul felt sure he would never see the Ephesians again. He didn't know what lay ahead for him in Jerusalem other than it did include bonds and afflictions and maybe more. He knew his life was in danger. But even if he wasn't killed, he didn't plan to come back to Asia Minor. He wanted to go to Rome and then on to Spain. And he may have fulfilled that dream. You know, the book of Acts leaves Paul in Rome. And we know from history that he was eventually executed in Rome. But we get the feeling from First and Second Timothy that before he was executed, Paul was released from prison for a time, possibly traveled to Spain, and then did in fact revisit the churches of Macedonia and Asia Minor. But he didn't expect to. He never expected to see the Ephesians again, this side of glory. So there's going to be sorrow at their parting, weeping, embracing, kissing, even grieving. But there will be no regrets. The first hint as to why can be found here in verse 25. And it has to do with what Paul was doing while with them. When Paul was with them, he was preaching the kingdom. Now, that's what we expect preachers and missionaries and apostles to do. So you may have overlooked its significance. But what he did while there is the reason he had no regrets when it came time to say goodbye. When he was with them, he didn't miss the opportunity to do something of eternal significance. He shared the gospel with them. And isn't failing to do so one of our biggest regrets when we no longer have the opportunity to do so? Now, I don't mean to imply that in order for us to have no regrets, we must preach to everyone we meet. 
But I do believe if we would have no regrets, we must make positive statements of eternal significance when given the opportunity. You know, everyone with whom we have a relationship should know of our faith in Christ, should know where we stand on moral issues, and they should know that everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. Now, there's no need to be pushy or obnoxious to accomplish this, but we must always be ready to seize the moment for a positive witness and perhaps even create those moments if we can. And if we'll do that, when it comes time to say goodbye, we can part with no regrets. We can depart with a sense of peace. We will have at least tried to make a difference and to point them to Jesus. Paul had no regrets because he shared the gospel. He didn't have to say, oh, how I wish I'd said something when I had the chance. He took advantage of the opportunities he'd been given, and he met his responsibilities. Verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Paul said he was innocent of the blood of all men. What did he mean by that? You know, he's been accused of a lot of things, but he was never accused of murder. That's not what he's talking about. His statement about being innocent of the blood of all men is a reference to the responsibility of a watchman. And we read of it in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land and he blows on the trumpet and warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be upon himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood... I will require from the watchman's hand. The watchman has a grave responsibility to warn the people. If he doesn't, he's guilty of their blood. He's held accountable for their death. The watchman, however, is not responsible for the actions of the people after they've been warned. If they don't listen, if they don't respond to the warning in an appropriate manner, it's not the watchman's fault. He met 
his responsibility. Paul had been a good watchman. He was therefore innocent of the blood of all men. He had warned them. He had told everyone he could about Jesus, what he had done, what they should do, and the consequences of ignoring the offer of salvation. But what they did with his warning was not Paul's responsibility. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't care how they responded or that he didn't take steps to keep other watchmen at their posts. Next week, we'll see him admonishing the elders to be good shepherds of the flock, warning them of wolves that would come from within and without. He didn't just sound the trumpet and run away shouting, you had your chance. Paul was a good watchman. He tried to warn the people. He did everything possible to make sure they understood the eternal danger they were facing. But eventually, the responsibility for what someone does with the warning falls upon them. You cannot make someone heed your warning. Now, that's true in the world at large, and it's true in our families as well. And that is both frightening and comforting. It's frightening in that we cannot control our children's lives beyond a certain point. We bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but the time comes when they're on their own. And what they do is out of our hands. Now, that is frightening. We fear for them, especially when we see them making wrong choices. But there is some comfort in knowing that we're not responsible for what they do, not once they're out from under our control. You know, I've known far too many parents who had an undeserved sense of guilt about their children's lack of faith and their moral and spiritual failure. A father does have a responsibility to teach his children and to make every effort to influence them. It's a grave responsibility we have as parents and grandparents. The scriptures are very clear on that. Father cannot be held responsible for his son's behavior, not once the son is old enough to choose his own lifestyle. God holds each man responsible for his own sin. And Ezekiel teaches that as well. In Ezekiel 18.20, we read, The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. Now again, that is both frightening and comforting. It's frightening because we realize what is at stake 
when we are raising our children. But it's comforting to know that if we've met our responsibilities, we are not held accountable for the choices our children make as adults. Having said all that, however, we do want to be the best physical and spiritual parents possible. We want to know that we did all we could. But how do we know that? How did Paul? Quite simply, he didn't hold anything back. Verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Paul said he did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose of God. He had said it all. Because of that, he could say goodbye with no regrets. He had said everything that could be said. Now, sadly, we don't have the assurance that we've said everything that could be said because we don't know everything. And there's always the fear that we might have missed something, left something out that could have made the difference. Maybe our counsel was deficient and that's why someone didn't respond to the gospel or a child went wrong. We just didn't say enough because we didn't know enough. We didn't understand. He was at peace because he didn't hold back what he did know. He didn't shrink back. He didn't pull in the sail. He delivered everything he had. And that's what made him a good watchman. After all, a watchman is only responsible to deliver the message he's received. That, too, is made clear in Ezekiel. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from your hand. But if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your life. We don't have to know everything. We just can't hold back what we do know. You know, if a watchman doesn't know that the enemy is coming from the other side, he's not responsible for a surprise attack. 
There are some things we're not going to know. There are some things we're not going to anticipate and won't be able to prepare our kids for. We better accept that fact. We can't worry about the things we don't know or can't find out. But we must not take the attitude, the more I know, the more I have to do, and choose to stay in the dark. We cannot be willfully ignorant. We have a responsibility to know what God has said and to learn all we can. And that means we must study God's word diligently in order to understand the revealed purposes of God. Obviously, we can't share his will for others if we don't understand his will for us. And it means we must study those things that enable us to do the very best we can with regard to our children. That is why we are studying bringing up boys. I have to admit I've been a little disappointed in the turnout. Fifty books were taken. Last week we had a dozen here. And many of them were grandparents. You have a responsibility to learn what you can. Willful ignorance won't work. We're going to be looking at bringing up girls. We want to help you do the job that God has set before you. And if you would have no regrets with regard to your children, you must understand the challenges that they face. And we should take advantage of every opportunity to learn how to prepare our children for those challenges from those who understand them and who can give us godly counsel. Now, I realize we can't read everything out there. The bookshelves are filled with all kinds of information. And we're not even going to agree with everything that comes from a Christian perspective. We need to be challenged by it. We need to think through it. We need to understand what we can. We can't just renege on our responsibilities. We've got to study. We've got to study. But still, it's important to know that as long as we have tried, really tried, to understand what's going on, to understand the purposes of God. We have diligently sought out his word. We have studied, we have sought counsel from our brothers and sisters. We have done all we can. We've not chosen to be willfully ignorant. Then we're not responsible for what we don't know and what we might have missed and what we can't find out. Some things we will not know. You know, I think we can lay a foundation that is solid. But we're not going to be able to warn our kids about everything they're going to face. 
Let's just make sure we've done what we can. And we've not held back the truth. You'll be considered a good watchman, a faithful watchman, if you'll just deliver what's been given to you. And if you pray for wisdom and seek for it in God's word and in godly counsel, you will know what you need to know to be a good parent and a good evangelist. If you then share what you know and do what you can, there will be no need for regrets. Share the gospel with your neighbors as best you can. Influence your children for good. Teach them diligently. Let them see the reality of your faith and the reason for your righteous life. Pray for wisdom to communicate truth as clearly and accurately as possible and pray for receptive hearts. But realize in the final analysis, everyone has to make their own decisions. If you have sought to communicate things of eternal significance to those around you, and not held back the truth, even when it made you uncomfortable to share it. And the truth might not be culturally acceptable or politically correct. If you've risked embarrassment and rejection to make sure those you know and care about have heard the truth, as best you can share it, you should have no regrets. You know, all we can do is offer to others a Savior who is willing and waiting to enter their hearts. What they do with him is up to them. And that we do today. Offering a Savior who is willing and waiting to enter hearts. What you do with him is up to you.